the $1,000 handoff on KXNO. This is just a blessing. It is good timing. Your next chance to win your share of 12K a day is coming up in less than 20 minutes on 1460 AM and 106.3 FM. KXNO. Live from the DraftKings Sportsbook and Wild Rose Studio, this is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Take you until noon. Bottom of the hour, Dave Sproul from KSI and Ames on Iowa State as they fall to Oklahoma State. Mr. Monday Night, before we get out of here, just before noon as well. That music means it's time for our friend Bama Bob as we recap what we saw in college football this past weekend. Uh, do that every Monday. We preview at the same time on Friday. Bama, Trent, and Ken, good to speak with you. Good to see the Big Ten back in action. A uh, pretty good weekend of college football. And I say weekend because it was uh, Graham Mertz. What an eye-opening performance he had on Friday night as well. How are you, Bama? Uh, doing pretty well. How about you, Ken? Doing well. You know, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but I saw this in the Illinois-Wisconsin game. I want to get both of your opinions on this. One of Illinois' linebackers, I guess, well, he was tossed for targeting mm-hmm. in the bowl game. Okay. He had to miss the first half of the game uh, against Wisconsin. Yeah. And are we going a little <laughs> overboard with this here? Don't you? I mean, you first, Trent. Do you like that? Uh, I, I don't like that part of it, no. I, I mean, it's season to season. Um, right. It happens in the bowl game, so be it. You start anew in the new season when it begins. This goes as a whole, though. Watching the second half of the Nebraska-Ohio State game, it felt like every third play yeah. there, there was going to be a chance mm-hmm. of review. We have to find a way to make this... I like that it is more aggressive than what we see in the NFL, that there is both the targeting rule is amplified more, mm-hmm. but there and has, the penalty, to, be, yeah, but there has to be varying degrees. There has to be, yes, still a 15-yarder, but no ejection. It, it just feels like it is too cut and dry. Any kind of targeting, running back, wide receiver, he lowers his head because he's indicating impact. Helmet to helmet happens, and the guy's ejected. And it doesn't feel like there's those times that a guy should be kicked out of a game. Penalty, yes, mm-hmm. but not kicked out of the game. That's the part that really annoys me. Even the stoppages don't annoy me that much anymore. I'm just so used to it. It's that we only have one way to decipher if you did it, you're gone. I don't like that part of yeah, it. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I have noticed maybe more so this year, maybe I just think I have, that uh, the, the referees have gone under the hood and come back and picked up the flag. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tavon Kyle uh, yeah. for Iowa State against Oklahoma State was a perfect example. Bama, are they, do you like the way they're, I guess, uh, officiating, targeting? And Boy, it seems ridiculous to carry one, from one season over to another, doesn't it? Yeah, a little bit. But, I mean, you know, they, they carry it over from game to game, so I guess you're following the – the letter of the law, if not the spirit. I mean, maybe it, you know, maybe, I don't know, if it's, a, if it's a bowl game, I could see maybe not. But, you know, maybe if it's a conference game and it's a team that's not going to a bowl, maybe, you know, you're trying to settle a score. I, I don't know. I mean, it, it does seem a little bit ridiculous and over the top on the surface. You know, the kid hasn't played football in, what, 10 months, and now he's suspended for the first half. So, I, I I don't really have a big problem with it. Um, 
I do. The, the one thing that I really like that they've done with all this over the last two or three years is it used to just be, even if the targeting was overturned, you still had the fifteen yard penalty. Thank right. goodness they went and, and got rid of that. Great point. You know, and, yeah. and they then they now review both, and and if if there's no targeting, then there's no penalty. Um, I do like that, but I don't really have a problem in with the way that they're they're trying to enforce this. It does get a little frustrating at times because you look at it and it's like, you know, what's the kid supposed to do? And it does become, it really does become judgmental. And it's not one of these, I don't think this, the problem I have with targeting is I don't think that it is held to the same replay standard as every other penalty. Well, you know, where it has to be, a clear and obvious error or you have to have indisputable video evidence in order to overturn it, it kind of feels like it's just a subjective call at that point. Was the guy lowering his head? Was the runner lowering his head? Um, so that, to me, just it just kind of puts it in on the um, – on the official, and you'll see a lot of times where they don't call it on the field, but they'll go, they'll buzz mm-hmm. them down from the from the booth, and then they'll initiate it there. Which, again, is okay. You know, I'm good with that. I'm okay with that yep. too, because the, the the main focus of all this is really trying to enforce player safety, and you have to get the headshots out of the game, and, and no matter how you do, and not only the targeting of another player, but your own, you know, I don't know if you watched the, the NFL game last night with the Cardinals and the, the guy that um, they didn't call it on the field, but I mean, clearly led is the, the whole Ryan Shazier thing. I mean, mm. you know, thank, thank goodness he's, you know, okay in quotes, but right. you know, it's just such a dangerous play. It is such a dangerous play. They got to get rid of it. And if this is the way you do it, then I, I really can't complain too much about it. Let's uh, we go around the power of conferences. Trent, we'll start with you and we'll do it alphabetically. I don't want to linger in the ACC. Um, I think Bama and I both thought maybe Virginia Tech's the second best team in the conference and then Wake picks them off. Mm-hmm. Uh, without Pickett, Notre Dame's, um, I mean, they, they just feasted on Pittsburgh. What did you, what, your takeaway in the ACC was what? The North Carolina lost to Florida State a week before. Woke them up. even worse. Yep. Uh, Louisville just went in and absolutely blitzed Florida State there. It's a one-team conference. Yeah, Clemson yep. screwed around with Syracuse and still was fine and still ultimately won by 26 in a game they were favored by 45, but it's a one-team conference. I think it's as simple as that. Bama? Yeah, to me, it was Virginia Tech. I mean, losing to Wake Forest. I mean, I did not yeah. I did not see that game coming out of, out of the ACC. Um, you know, Trent's right. It is a one-team conference. Um, you know, Pittsburgh, it looks like, finally has just given up. Yeah. You know, they had so many close games and, you know, so many tough losses, and, and I don't, they just weren't competitive. Um, but, yeah, to me, you know, Florida State getting run by Louisville – um, after they beat North Carolina, it's just it's just such a, a middling conference. Uh, Clemson is just going to truck everybody they play, I think. And you know the the one surprise to me, like I said, was was Wake Forest and Virginia Tech. Didn't see that coming. Uh, but when you throw three interceptions, um, Wake Forest was able to basically match Virginia Tech on the ground, and then you, you add in the three turnovers, and you get a a 23-16 win for Wake Forest. That one surprised me, really. And then the, the margin of victory of Notre Dame over Pittsburgh. Didn't really see that. Nor did I. Let's go to the Big 12. Bama, we'll stay with you. Trent and I have obviously opined a lot on Iowa State, Oklahoma State. You can be, go there wherever you want. Your uh, takeaway from this week in the Big 12 was? Well, 
Oklahoma and Texas kind of righted the ship. I mean, they needed to win. Um, I, I don't know if it's going to really matter in terms of, you know, winning the conference or, you know, putting them in contention for the conference. But, uh, you know, it, for one week anyway, I don't know if it takes the pressure off. Probably not. There's always pressure there. Um, but, you know, the good win by Oklahoma uh, over TCU. And, and you're right, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, the more I watch them, I just think they're the two best teams in that conference. I was real, you know, Brees Hall is, is, I mean, what a game he had. But, you know, Hubbard had the big play there with, the, with you know, the hand on the ground or yep. whatever. And, and it, it look, it, it just looked like two teams, having watched Oklahoma and Texas play defense or try to play defense <laughs> this year and, and, you know, be terrible at it, these two teams to me look like complete teams out of that out of that conference. I don't know about Kansas State. It can't take you know you take nothing from that win over Kansas, who's the probably the worst Power Five team in the country. Michigan um, State maybe have something to say about that. Yeah, they, they might be a contender. Holy crap! <laughs> but yeah, it um look. Iowa State, Oklahoma State was a fun game. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see these two teams again. Yep. I hope we see these two teams again because I do think they have talent on both sides of the ball, and really that's that's what you want. And you can get a compelling game, and that's what we got. And you have NFL players in it, and you know, it. it I just think these two look like they're the two best teams, and I hope we get to see them again. Ditto, uh, Trent. Here comes Oklahoma. Yeah, it looked good, didn't they? In a game where they were clunky at times, still put up 500 yards of offense against a Gary Patterson defense. Mm-hmm. And Rattler, how about this? Averaged 25.5 yards per completion what? in the game. 25.5 yards. 13 completions, throws for 332 yards wow. in the victory. OU, don't count them out of this race quite yet. Yeah, that freshman Mims, he's gifted, that mm-hmm. receiver that they've got. I, I'm with you. I mean, um, Texas Tech beating West Virginia? What a bad way to lose. Did you see the last touchdown of the game? Yes, I did. Uh, Let's go to the Big Ten, Trent. We'll start with you. Your takeaway from the Big Ten was what or what? uh, how many have you got? I've got a bunch, but it bears mentioning again the State University of New Jersey. Rutgers, Mm. I loved them all week. And why didn't you pick them? You loved them all week. I loved them all week, and well, it's because I'm involved in too many contests and different things. I like to spread things out. It was 14 at the beginning of the week. It was... 10 by kickoff, and I wasn't alone in this one. Michigan State's got some big-time issues there. Rocky Lombardi came back and played well deep into the game when the game was a blowout, but Michigan State's got problems. And Rutgers, how about Vedral? Comes with Frost up to Nebraska from Central Florida. Of course, doesn't get it done. Martinez has the job at Nebraska. Takes one more shot, beats Tukowski at Rutgers for the job. He played really, really well. Good Good story there. And uh, Shiano, it's going to take a while, and it's a tough division to do. They're going to win some games overall at Rutgers. They, they they have the right guy back. Could they be Indiana? I mean, kind of yeah, the middle of the yeah, pack right. team. I'm not saying you want to be Indiana, but you get my point. And Tennessee fans maybe kicking themselves a little bit to, yeah. no, we don't want Shiano. He was an assistant at Penn State. Of the, I mean, that that that's a conversation for a different day, but Shiano... Guy can coach football. Uh, Penn State, Indiana, the ending Bama was unbelievable. Uh, your thoughts on the Big Ten? What was your uh, couple of takeaways from that conference? Yeah, that was one of them for sure. Uh, I didn't see that. I mean, listen, you guys were on Indiana. I didn't really see Trent that. Trent was. Penn I like State Penn State. A better team. Yeah, I mean, but, Ken, that, that, is, that is as close of a replay yeah. as I have ever, mm-hmm. that I can ever recall seeing. And, 
basically at that point, the video replay officials were deciding the outcome of the game because it was on a two-point conversion in overtime. So if he's in, they win. If he's not, they lose. And I'm still not convinced that the back end of the ball didn't hit before the front end touched the pylon. But, you know, give, give the kid credit. I mean, good God, what an athletic play and, you know, just full stretch. I thought maybe his knee might have hit, you know, with the three and it didn't, but, um, Penn State's going to be kicking themselves because they had a chance to put it away a couple times to mm-hmm. kill it, and they couldn't, and they didn't, Son and they Franklin. lost in overtime. And and now, look who comes to town this week. Um, oh boy, you're going to start if you start zero and two in an eight game season. What are you playing for the other six? So mm-hmm. uh, that, and then you know Michigan. I know Trent is. Uh, I don't want to say discounting it because Minnesota's defense is not very good, um, but Milton. Does he look? He looks the part. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to see him against better teams. Um, but you know, for one week at least, <laughs> they put up points. And and you know, like I, we talked Friday, maybe in an eight game season, that's all they need because it seems like you know they 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 start bad and they finish bad, and in the middle they kind of you know run the table. So maybe they can run them eight. I don't know, but uh, Maryland. Might be fighting Kansas and Michigan State. They looked horrible. Good yeah. win for Northwestern, and then Nebraska. Oh my goodness! I mean, where where is that team going? Where are they headed? They just they just. And I know Ohio State is a juggernaut in that conference, but I mean, my goodness, um, where does Nebraska go? And, and Ken, I thought you had a great text to me. You said here, I think it, you said merch is going to be a problem, and I think I think he is because. How many years are we just used to these, you know, big Ron Dane, Clement, you know, um, Jonathan Taylor, these, the running game at Wisconsin, and now they've got a passing game to go with it and a guy that can throw it? Oh, my goodness. If they ever if they put those two together, they are going to be a factor not only in that conference, but, you know, in the playoff as well. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, let's move on. I really don't have much to say. We've said most on the uh, Big Ten. Uh, so what is up next? Are we going to the SEC, I guess? Let's do the SEC. Bama, we'll stick with you. Your biggest takeaway, obviously the Waddle thing is a huge, huge blow to Alabama's yeah. chances, but uh, what's your takeaway from that conference? Yeah, I think to me overall, in, in big picture, it's the Jalen Waddle injury, and it's terrible. You feel terrible for him. Um, you know, as a player, and, and you know, I got all kinds of texts, and oh, you know, Alabama will just plug in another five-star big deal, and it is a big deal because yeah, they might plug in another four or five-star athlete, but he's not going to be an NFL-ready first-round draft pick that whoever takes his place. And um, look, they're going to have time to manage it to try to figure it out. Um, you know, who's who that's going to be because I really don't see a lot. I know they have LSU who look better against South Carolina, mm-hmm. but, um, I mean, that to me, overarching, that's the big story. You know, Kentucky didn't see that coming no. in points at Missouri. Right. What's wrong with your Wildcats there, Ken? And then Auburn Ole Miss, Auburn gets away with yet another, another, break. Blown, another blown call. Um, now, it wouldn't have been a touchdown. It would have been a muff, so it would have come back to the spot where he touched it. Mm-hmm. But two weeks in a row, or two out of three at, at least, I mean, they benefited from a rules gaffe. And, you know, they could be one and four right now. Maybe should be one and four. I don't know. But um, this just has the feeling of a team that's either going to, you know, ride a lot of luck this year and, and finish better than what they really are, or a team that's going to, now that they really get into the meat of it starting this year, 
this week with LSU, and they've got A&M, and they've got Alabama. Um, you know, eventually karma is going to catch up to them, and they're going to finish 500. But, um, you know, only four games in the conference. But to me, uh, the overarching story was Waddle. I'm with you. Maybe uh, Ogeron might have a quarterback in Finley. Who That's where I was going. Take it away. Finley. He yep. is yeah. in- He's a big, big dude, six foot six, and he can throw it in there. Else, you can score. That that hasn't mm-hmm. been the problem this year. Even before Brennan's injury, it's been the defense. They're so young on that side of the football. Look, I don't think they're going to beat Alabama here in three no. weeks. They're not at that level, but they're going to score against a bunch of teams here. They still have Florida on that schedule. They still have A and M on that schedule. Two other top ten teams. The Auburn road trip this week. LSU, and we're talking about boy, could this team be two and eight? They're not going to be that bad. And they're going to get somebody here by the end of the season. Yeah, I'm with you, Trent. I was I was impressed by the. Uh, I didn't see much of it at all, but when I did, uh, he looked very good. You know, Bama. You know, I like uh, receiver wise, uh, Michi for Alabama. Is 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 he going to be yeah. the guy now? Is that where you know will Mac Jones start looking for him? He looks like he's got a really good future. Well, Devonta Smith is really the 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 cream of the crop mm-hmm. of, of what's left now. But you know. Mechie was kind of that third guy. You know, he was, okay, we lost Judy. I say we, you know, speaking Alabama, you know, they lose Judy and Ruggs. So who is going to now come in and, you know, maybe you're not going to replace both of those guys. Again, first-round NFL draft picks uh, starting on Sundays. But who are you going to pair with Waddle and Smith? And he kind of seemed the guy, you know, that was going to step in there. And he has had some really big games. Um, when you when you roll your coverage, but now you move Waddle out. Now he goes from number three to number two. So good, you know. We listen. He had a big game against Georgia. We saw that as well. And I just think that you know they they need they're going to need somebody else. But yeah, I mean he's he's seems to be the next in line of of what all of a sudden can. And we talked about it maybe the other uh, week ago. All of a sudden, the receivers that are coming out of a Nick Nick Saban program. <laughs> You know, Julio Jones and Amari Cooper and, and Calvin Ridley and Judy and Ruggs and, you know, Waddle and Smith. And now this guy, I mean, it's just like it's incredible that all of a sudden Alabama is wide receiver you. But he seems to be the next guy in, and they, I think they're going to need another guy now to step up, and they're going to have a few games to maybe develop that Uh uh, they got a, they have a margin of error because LSU has two losses, so I, I don't think the West is in jeopardy. Even if they drop a game, and if they do drop a game and win the SEC, they're going to the playoffs. So, um, but they've got a little while to figure it out. But yeah, he is he seems to be the next guy up for them. And then a couple of tight ends that are making an impact in the NFL too, Alabama, Trent. Morris, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yep. Bama, I got to throw this uh, out to you before we run out of time. You're right in the midst of that Alabama Tennessee rivalry. Jeremy Pruitt after the game. I can assure you that the gap is closing. It might not show on the scoreboard today, but the gap is closing. I can assure you that I'm going to guess that, uh, well, the Tennessee fans probably didn't take too well to that. I saw Feinbaum was freaking out about the comments. Not a good look. Might not show on the scoreboard. We saw it. That gap doesn't look like it's closing to me. No, and it's, it's, I tell you where it's not closing is a quarterback. Um, yeah. They have Matt got Jones, to get wow. somebody that can be consistent. And you know you don't you don't have to have you know a quote unquote running quarterback, but I mean, goodness, look at what look at what Ole Miss is doing with with Matt you know with Corral, and mm-hmm. you know Bo Nix is sliding at Auburn. Auburn's another team that's just 
you know, fans are up in arms because Gus Malzahn and then, you know, a guy that he cast off has got Liberty at 6-0 and right now right. under Hugh Freeze. Yeah. Okay? So, I mean, you think Auburn fans are liking that. You see what, you know, you see Justin Fields at Ohio State and Georgia fans are going, wait a minute, why, why do we run this guy off? So, you're right, though. I mean, listen, Feinbaum is, he is what he is. He's he's there for clickbait and, and that kind of thing. But, uh, no, I can I can assure you, Tennessee fans did not take that. When you lose by 31 points and Alabama loses their best player on you know pretty much the opening kickoff uh, or one of their top two players, um, and Mac Jones still throws for 387 yards and Harris you know ran for almost 100 and could have had more and Mechie is over 150 and the game is not competitive except for maybe you know one nice drive and a couple good throws that you had. Um, Tennessee fans do not want to hear. They, they've heard this for so long. You know, Derek Dooley, and ever since Lane Kiffin left, they have, and really Phil Fulmer, they have just been searching. And I think this streak is now at 14 years and counting. I think 2006 might be the last time that they won um, in this series. And Jeez. so it, it's Tennessee fans do not want to hear that. It sounds like a coach that uh, knows he is under fire a little bit and knows that fans are tired of getting just pummeled by Alabama. Uh, looks like Cincinnati in the driver's seat towards the Fiesta Bowl. We don't have any time to talk about that game, but that was a, a, a you-know-what kicking as well as they pounded. Game. Yeah, it really Statement. was. Uh, Buchel, uh and SMU. Fellas, uh, which game next week are you looking most forward to watching, Bama? We will start with you. Uh, it's got to be Ohio State-Penn State for me. I mean, I thought this would be a top-five matchup. Um, I, listen, Part of it is I love night games at Penn State. Yep. I know it's not going to be full. I get it. It's not going to be the whole 100,000 wide out, But uh, Yeah, exactly. I mean, all of a sudden, though, this game just takes on huge importance for Penn State because their season's on the line. And, and looking at Ohio State's schedule, maybe now Michigan can compete. We don't. I'm still not on the Harbaugh training, guys. I'm just, no. <laughs> you know, I got to see more, but. You know, for one week, okay, but to me, it's Ohio State at Penn State. I just love the rivalry, especially at Happy Valley. Trent, you know this is the only top 25 matchup we have this week? Is it Memphis-Cincinnati? No, no, this the game that we just talked about. Oh, there. is it? Yeah. Yeah, Memphis still is not in the top 25. This is it, at least of the eight people. Mm-hmm. This is the only matchup of ranked team. It's the right one, absolutely. And, and Franklin, it's so difficult to measure him. You look at him as a whole. Is he a top 10 coach in college football? No doubt. Top 5? Well, that's when you get into the arguments. He's going up against a behemoth. This is Ohio State at a level we have never seen them at this level before, and that's what he's going up each and every year. Joe Pa never had a stretch going back until the 80s that he had three out of four years in the top 10. Penn State and Franklin has done that, but he's going against Ohio State. And I think sometimes a little unfairly judged, even as bad as the late game was against Indiana. Mm. Yeah, you look at I, Ohio State, man. They, I'm not sure. And you think that the running game will get better, and it probably will. That kind of stuck out to me. They missed Dobbins, yeah, <laughs> and understandably so. Uh, the game I mentioned, I, I thought Memphis might have been in the top 25. Memphis Cincinnati's got a little buzz to it in the, in, and that's I thought you would take that game. Uh, that's usually <laughs> you know I you love go. the American. I know you do. Uh, Bama, yeah. we're, Texas Oklahoma State's pretty good too, Ken. Yeah, you know what? That's a good point, Bama. Mm-hmm. What time is that game? Is that middle of the afternoon? Three o'clock, Fox. Three o'clock on Fox. That does have uh, a little cachet to it. Bama, we'll talk to you on yeah. Friday. We'll uh, we'll preview that one and a few more. Thank you, Bama Bob. As always, good to talk to you.
Yep, enjoy it, guys. Take care. Yeah, have a good week. Bama Bob, Trent and I recapping the weekend in college football. Dave Sproul coming up next. He is uh, finished with Matt Campbell's teleconference. We'll see if anything came out of that. Dave Sproul covers Iowa State for KASI. But right now it's time for another $1,000 handoff. Text the keyword FUN to 200-200. your chance to win $1,000. FUN! to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. All right, about 11.30 here on a Monday edition of Miller & Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106... Right, 25 minutes before noon, Miller & Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. We have a couple of kick times for a week from Saturday. Correct. Yeah, it has been released. Iowa will go right after game day, 11 o'clock on Big ESPN as they welcome in Michigan State. Hope people jumped aboard with me early on that point spread from Elite Sportsbook and might have another middling opportunity because that thing's going to be a lot higher than the three, four points that it was initially. Iowa State don't have to worry about the teams button up again as they did this past weekend. Six o'clock kickoff for Baylor. That'll be a game broadcast on FS1. Baylor, Iowa State, six o'clock a week from Saturday. Dave Sproul right now covers Iowa State for KSI. That's where the Cyclones play uh, in Ames. Dave, Trent, and Ken, thank you for coming on. You listened to Matt Campbell's teleconference. Uh, anything came uh, come out of it, maybe injury-wise, and in particular, Tariq Milton. Any update there? Because I think that's a huge, huge um, factor, the reason maybe Iowa State is struggling uh, throwing the football and moving the football because they don't have another option other than Hutchinson. Good to speak with you. What's the latest from Campbell? Nothing on Tariq Milton today. Uh, not not anything really outside of injury stuff uh, too earth-shattering. The only injury update we really got was the kickoff specialist, Eddie Ogaba. Uh, he's been out. Uh, he was out the last two games. He'll be out two, three more weeks. Uh, other than that, that's about it. That's disappointing. <laughs> yeah. Don't I mean? Don't, don't you think, Dave? That I mean, look, Hudsonson's a nice player. Kohler's a threat, obviously, but Purdy has no no chemistry or doesn't trust any of the other receivers. They need another option, and Milton's that guy. Yeah, I, I think he's probably the best bet uh, beyond Hutchinson to be a productive player wide out at this moment. That uh, you know we've been hearing about how much talent guys like uh, Joe Skates have. And, you know, they, they just really haven't shown it much this season. We've seen maybe some flashes of it, uh, but they're just not getting into position where Brock Purdy will find him. And if, if you're available and if you're open, Brock Purdy will find you. He loves to spread the ball around, and he'll throw to whoever's open. Uh, and so that indicates to me those guys just aren't getting open. Yep. And uh, they got to step up their game to, for Iowa State to be a complete team. So Brock Purdy doesn't look like the same guy and there's been times that we've talked about him in the past sometimes a little bit lazy with the footwork throwing off the back foot that happened the last couple of years but the guy we saw Saturday the guy we've seen throughout most of this year certainly is not a first rounder that some people had him pegged what do you see what's going wrong and what is it is it as simple as he only has one receiver that he has confidence in or is there more going on in your mind with Brock Purdy uh, it's you know, it's hard to get inside his head, obviously, but I, I think it's a it's multiple factors. I think that um, you know the receiving core definitely is not as talented as has been in, in past years, and that that's got to have an effect. I think pressure is is getting to him more. Um, 
you're, uh, Oklahoma State obviously brought a really uh, quality front four and pressured him a lot, and that definitely threw him off his timing. And you recall we spoke a few weeks ago about the Pro Football Focus article that was you know analyzing his performance and used that dreaded R word regression. And one of the biggest aspects of that, or maybe the biggest aspect, was that he's he's fallen quite a bit in terms of performance under pressure, where he was performing at a very high level, which PFF actually used the term unsustainable to describe how he was performing under pressure initially. And that took a step back last year and has taken a big drop this year. And that's the biggest difference between Brock Purdy before and Brock Purdy now is that he's just not finding the guys he needs to when the pressure comes. And whether that's Purdy making bad decisions or guys not being where they need to be uh, when that pressure comes, it's hard for me to say because I'm no coach and I can't break down the 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 film on that level, but something's got to change. He's got to step up. It's been inconsistent. You look at the numbers week by week. It's up one week. It's down the next. It was up last week or two weeks ago against Texas Tech. It was down against Oklahoma State, a really quality defense. Probably will go up again this week because, I mean, we're talking about Kansas here, but just the consistent there, consistency isn't there from week to week right now for Brock Purdy. Yeah, I think it's as simple as Shaw, Skates, Akers, Wilson. They they just don't have anybody other than Hutchinson. His pick is, it was ill-advised. It was into double coverage. He got away with that against Oklahoma. He didn't at one time he was picked against Oklahoma State. I thought it may be as big a play in the game, Dave. I want to get your take on this was when uh, after Brees Hall's first run where he was was caught uh, and brought down uh, in in the red zone. Uh, the intentional grounding when there was a a, a linebacker came right up the gut uh, in in the a gap and he wasn't picked up. Purdy was called for intentional grounding. Yes, he was inside the tackle box, but Brees Hall was right in the area. I thought that that could have easily been picked up. It wasn't. That pushed them back. Obviously, Asali would miss the field goal. But what looked like they were maybe going to be on the cusp of opening up a 14-0 lead in that game, all of a sudden missed field goal at 7-zip. Down the field, Oklahoma State goes very quickly. Tie ball game. Uh, and a huge momentum shift. I thought that intentional grounding call, which again was dicey, was a huge factor in the football game. Yeah, that's it's always a huge problem because it's not only you know you lose the yardage back to wherever the quarterback was when he threw the ball, but you lose a down, and that's such a huge factor in that penalty. And it's hard to say whether you know Reesaw maybe should have picked up that blitz, or maybe he should have cut his route a little bit shorter to make it easier for Brock Purdy to throw that pass and make it less of a risk that you get a penalty like that, or maybe even give him an opportunity to make a catch and turn it into something positive. Uh, but it's those small mistakes that both Coach Campbell and, and the players who spoke to the media after the game kind of lamented afterwards. There's a lot of things like, like Charlie Kohler dropping a pass. I thought that was a, a huge play, yeah, too, huge. in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you yeah, have big opportunity to miss there. And there were other plays to be made that Iowa State just didn't, or maybe a penalty or something, they would shoot themselves in the foot. Uh, just that one mistake on a drive that can really set you back and, and slow your roll. And those were the things that, that – will bite you against a high-quality team against Oklahoma State. So those are the things Iowa State needs, needs to clean up against the, the top teams in the Big 12 going forward. Brees Hall is an absolute stud, and we're continuing to see this throughout the year. But another game where he gets every carry except for one that went to Nwangu, it's a shortened season, but it's still a long grind here throughout the course of the season. Do you anticipate we're going to see... Probably starting this week a little bit more. Jirel Brock, Nwangu, just not putting the kind of load that they're putting on Brees Hall's shoulders right now. 
Yeah, you would think going in, I'm sure coaches don't think this way or don't let themselves think this way, but you would think going in a game like Kansas that you probably wouldn't need a guy for a full four quarters like that to to secure a win, and maybe you can get uh, Nwangu some reps or Brock or maybe some of the, you know, some of the other running backs, Johnny Lang or whoever, uh, some carries uh, late in that game and take some of that burden off of, of Brees Hall. For his, to his credit, Hall does not look like he has slowed down or had any sort of issues. He doesn't even seem dinged up at all by by carrying the load he's carrying so far. But, you know, with every carry, there runs a risk of, of some kind of injury. And so if you can avoid that uh, at any uh, opportunity, I'm sure Iowa State will take that. But the, the, the thing that I, I find astounding about Hall is that he's not breaking off like spectacular moves or he doesn't have like world-class speed or anything but he just finds those holes once he gets there and very very seldom does he get caught from behind and so he he didn't have that kind of like uh run like Chuba Hubbard had for his touchdown where he was off balance but able to stay on his feet and then hit the Jets and, and go in the end zone but he just keeps grinding out run after run after run and when that opportunity there is to pop one, he does not miss that opportunity. I found out a, a couple of things. Uh, from, uh, Zach Peterson, by the way, 55, I thought, had his best game of the year. He stood out of uh, uh, periodically in the game. Trent and I brought up Deshaun Davis, number 43, or I don't recall seeing until uh, this game against Oklahoma State. It looks as though that Hunter Deckers is clearly the backup should something happen to Purdy, and maybe with Kansas uh, sharing the field with them on Saturday, we'll get an opportunity to get Purdy out and get some of these backups some playing time Deckers traveled Bowman did not he looks as though even though there's an or on the depth chart it looks as though Deckers is QB2 yeah well that depth chart also going to have guys like Trevor Downing and Tariq Milton listed as starter, so I wouldn't take that <laughs> too terribly seriously um yeah I, I that's the best indication yet so far that we know who the number two quarterback now is for Iowa State if they need one and and it would be Deckers who's tremendous size and, and strength that, you know, he's, he's kind of got that proto- prototypical quarterback build. In fact, he's probably even taller than most. Uh, so I, I guess he would be the guy and it would be a great scenario for Iowa state to run out there and, and drop a, you know, 50 burger on Kansas the way Kansas state did. And then you can get those second, even third stringers in late in the game. Uh, but Iowa State still got to make sure they take care of business on their own first. If they do that, they should not have any problem with the Jayhawks. And maybe we'll get a chance to see what Deckers can do a little bit. I'm with you. So big picture, Dave. We'll end it on this, and we'll talk to you on Friday with uh, as we'll preview the uh, Kansas game. Look, big picture, you would love to have that one over Oklahoma State, obviously, for tiebreakers. The Cowboys are now in the driver's seat. Iowa State's still completely alive in this thing. The K-State game looms large, but they take care of their business against Kansas. Baylor just had their both two of their running backs opt out in the middle of the season. They're done for the year. Texas on Black Friday is going to be tough. West Virginia is, is awful, I think. Um, so big picture really doesn't change anything, over, even though Oklahoma looks as though they're finding their stride. Clones have the tiebreaker head-to-head. Big picture. Really nothing changes, does it, other than the fact that, you know, they're not in the in the one slot? Right, yeah, I, I agree. And that's uh, one reason I don't think I'm sensing a lot of panic from the fan base at all. And obviously, you know, the coaches aren't going to let on to anything like that. And the players did a good job of keeping their perspectives in, in the post-game interviews. And so, yeah, Iowa State, they're still in control of their own destiny, to use the old cliché. Uh, when it comes to the Big 12 championship game. And, and I can't imagine Oklahoma State or anybody else is going to run the table in the Big 12 this year, and not because of any problems or issues with those teams. It's just that this is 2020. Weird things are going to happen. Somebody's going to lose a game they shouldn't. 
Oklahoma State still has Bedlam coming up, which is mm-hmm. usually, you know, 90% of the time Oklahoma wins that game. And they're going to have a much better Spencer Rattler by then. I think he's he's shown signs of improvement. You get that deep in the season, he'll probably be a better quarterback than the one Iowa State saw a few weeks ago. So there's there's plenty of opportunities. I think West Virginia is going to be salty at times. I mean, they've shown their mm-hmm. Trent does too. I, I don't I mean, see it. I yeah, they should should not have lost against Texas Tech, but I, I think they've also shown some toughness and some grit out there at times. And Neil Brown's a good coach. He's yeah. going to figure out something to, to upend somebody. And so, and I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if Baylor knocks off somebody or Tech knocks off somebody. I mean, something's going to happen. This is the Big 12, <laughs> and it usually cannibalizes itself to some degree every season. And this is, this is a weird year for everybody involved. So who knows what could happen between now and the end of the season. Next three weeks for Oklahoma State, boys, home to Texas, at K-State, Bedlam. Mm-hmm. Pretty salty. There you go. <laughs> for, uh, three, three weeks in a row. Dave Sproul, we'll talk to you on Friday. Have a great week, Dave Sproul. Appreciate it. You betcha. Thanks. Good to talk to you, Dave Sproul. K-A-S-I in Ames. That's where Iowa State plays Story County. Are we completely dismissing Kansas? They had the lead in the fourth quarter last year. <laughs> yes. Against Iowa State. Yes. And that team stunk, too. Are we complete? You think Kansas is going to cover? It's a lot of points. It's a lot of points. What is it with Clemson and Syracuse, by the I way? Have, it's, it's the orange on orange just throws them <laughs> off. Yes, I think I think we can. I'm more interested uh, about Mr. Monday Night than I am the Kansas game. Mr. Monday Night, he is locked and loaded, looking it, to get above Mount 500 on the Monday Night picks. And uh, well, we'll do that next. It's the Bears. It's the Rams. I love the bump music, the Monday Night Football music. Boy, it's uh, it's it's got the just Monday Night Football crying out loud. We'll hear from Mr. Monday Night next. As we recap or, or finish off, rather, a Friday on Miller and Condon, 1460 KX, and no one wants to learn more. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM, this is KXNO. <laughs> That music means time for Mr. Monday Night, Monday Night Football tonight. The Rams hosting the Chicago Bears. Packers had an eye-opening win yesterday. Uh, As they get back to their winning ways, the Bears need to hold serve. The number is six. The Bears are getting six. Is that what it still is? It's still six across the board. This is consensus. Every book that I look at right now in Vegas have the Rams as a six-point favorite. Well, more importantly, what does Mr. Monday Night think? Well, Mr. Monday Night, uh, well, he was pretty good on Saturday, pretty good on Sunday. 15-6 and six on my bets. Is that what you were? Wow. That was a good one. Hit a big yeah. parlay that I sent you. You did. And you Mr. needed Tulane, and you got it. I got Tulane. Got the back door. Mr. Monday Night tonight will need the Rams of Los Angeles. We're going to lay that six. This thing seems destined 27-17. Not going to be a coast-easy in victory, but good enough. Just don't see the Bears' offense, and especially the interior of the offensive line with all the issues they have against Aaron Donald. No thanks. Yeah, Do not I, want I'm any part you. of that. I think Mr. Monday Night's on the right side. I just hope it's a good football game. I do. I think your Bears are in a little tough tonight, mm-hmm. but we'll see. Uh, um, we've got game six of uh, the World Series tomorrow. Yes. Hardly touched on the weekend. Boy, there was some fun baseball. A little baseball conversation tomorrow. What okay. do you say? 
Uh, that's going to do it for us. Murph and Andy are next in the two. The Fanatics and four. Iowa State Coaches Show goes tonight at 6.30. Morning Rush tomorrow at 6 a.m. We're Miller and Condon. Weekdays 10 to noon. Thanks for being with us on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3.